Hi there, and thank you for joining me in this episode of Nocturnal Transmission. I'll be speaking with Keith McCrady, Executive Director of Two-Spirited People of the First Nations. Before COVID, Keith was already working diligently to provide harm reduction, food, programming, ceremony, access to traditional medicines, the list goes on and on. And now that we're in a COVID environment, he has taken to delivering all kinds of supplies and food and care packages to people in his community, as well as showing up where he's needed most. I'm very excited to present this episode, COVID by Example. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Keith. Hey, Ryan. (laughs) How are you today? I'm good. It's Sunday. It's my day of rest, as Jesus told me. Yeah, he's he hasn't been speaking to me lately, but I think if he he'd probably say something similar to me if that were the case for me. But it's my work day. I mean, I guess let's start at the beginning. Tell me where you work and what you do, and let me know kind of little background about how you got into your work. Well, the agency I work at is called Two Spirited People of the First Nations. And my role there is executive director, um, but I interpret that a little differently than maybe others because to me it feels as though I am one of the people who need to keep us all moving, uh, who has the most responsibility, but also needs to um, be closest to the ground to make sure that everyone understands that this is all um, all of us that have to keep going and doing all of this. I, I remember meeting somebody when I was when I was a wee babe. Like I was fresh out of university and I worked for an organization and the executive director described something similar of this little organization. She said, no one is above, there was an office cat. She said, no one is above cleaning the litter box for the office cat, not even the executive director. It was like a very, she made it very clear that there was, there wasn't a hierarchy. Do you think that that's one of the reasons why you're so successful? Well, I think I have a very similar motto to that. In fact, I say to people, um, no one is about taking out the garbage, but is that really the best way to use my my skills and talents and yours? So I kind of let people figure out, you know, um, who would be better off to do roles, you know, instead of saying we all should do this role because there is roles that, you know, are better off for other people and what they're doing, currently doing in the, in the job. Right. And now... You're, when a lot of organizations are really struggling to figure out how to stay relevant and stay connected to community during COVID, tell me about what you're doing. <laughs> well, um, what, what, we're, what we're doing is making sure that we look uh, a little differently at our community and, you know, how we could serve as the community. And so, you know, I think the, the first thing that happened when COVID, uh, we, we heard about COVID and we closed the office down. Uh, we actually closed the office down two days before the, the rest of the community. Uh, and it was because, you know, through my type of leadership and kind of having a safety lens, I was going to do it regardless of what the community decided. And I think it has a lot to do with leadership hasn't really, you know, done very much for the Indigenous community to make us trust them. And so I was like, I'm not going to trust what they say. I'm going to do what I know we need to do. And so we went home uh, and then we were very very nimble and said, well, what are we going to do um, to make sure we keep connected as a team? And what are we going to do to make sure um, nobody gets left behind? And that's kind of where we started with that. Uh, And then within uh, three days, we were delivering food hampers to community members. Wow. Wow. And so, and the food hampers, so what's in a food hamper? 
Well, what's in the food hamper the, when we first started is very different than what's in the hamper now. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> when we first started, we really went into the grocery store and we're like, how many people signed up? And we just shop for those people. Uh, and since then, it's become quite the machine. But also, we're using uh, the resources we have to uh, set a good example as far as healthy eating, different choices as far as what we could do, um, doing the bulk of the grocery shopping for people so that they actually stay home versus handing out gift cards. Um, we, we feel that we're doing a better service for, for people because um, we take the message of staying home, you know, um, to seriously, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, not that other people don't take it seriously, but I just think we have a very holistic kind of lens. Uh, we know that not everyone has the same accessibility to go to grocery stores, in including yeah. uh, how they're going to get there out via ITTC, you know, yeah. how they get get home, not Uber or taxi, you know, and so we really want to do all the hard work for our community to encourage them to stay home, but also model that we're here to support them. And that's what our job is. And so pre-pandemic, Two Spirits did a lot of events. Like what, what, was, what is your, your mandate at Two Spirits for the Indigenous community in Toronto? Well, the reality is when I came to Two Spirits, uh, I, I tell this story every time, is that <laughs> I didn't apply for the job. They, they asked me, and, I, and it was me coming to the, to the role. Um, you know, I heard what Two Spirits has done in the past and kind of where they're at, and I really wanted to change the way that we looked at the two-spirit community because the agency really focused on HIV. And so when I came, I, I you know, looked at the mandate and kind of interpreted the, that in my own way, including who we service. Um, when I was there, when I arrived there, it was servicing two-spirit people who identified. But to me, I, I think being a part of a two-spirit community involves everyone. So I don't think we could separate that because community, you know, is everyone who wants to belong. And so we... Uh, allowed members to redefine what it means to be part of the two-spirit community. And so that included people who are non-two-spirit, who are, who are Indigenous, who are Inuit, who are Métis, you know, and who also are part of the larger 2SLGB community uh, and might not necessarily identify as Indigenous either. Um, and the reason is that we, we know our family extends, like my, my partner or, you know, your friends uh, could be the people who are your family. And so yes. why wouldn't they belong to this community? Oh, that gives me like all kinds of warm fuzzies. <laughs> um, and it sounds like common sense. You know, it sounds like you're applying how you think and feel and how people that you care about think and feel to the mandate of an organization. But that's quite rare. Well, I think I learned a lot in my previous role. In my previous role, um, it was in a larger agency that had this kind of hierarchy structure. I had to work in that, but also I was given a lot of freedom to kind of build community in Scarborough. Mm. Uh, and so I, I inherited this little hub and we just kept expanding and expanding, but then also my role kept expanding. And so I saw the, the power in knowing what everyone is doing and how to complement each other and almost to some extent force people to work together. I where normally they would be in different silos and this different type of leadership would have to try to work together. I knew that it wasn't very easy for people to work together uh, unless they had, they were, you know, they had to and leadership directed them. And I know how disconnected leadership can be yeah. when an agency is larger. So I thought this, this community could really benefit from all of the knowledge that I got for as the way I saw how to connect people, build community, make sure that people feel involved, but also be quite aware of what the needs were. Um, yeah. And so, and 
and you're kind of living and working out of your home in Scarborough, which is far from the downtown core, but or would you say that the community that you are uh, touching into is is downtown Toronto or is it Scarborough or is it all over kind of the greater Toronto area? Actually, most of the members we serve are are all over Toronto. And so, like, for example, when we deliver food hampers, um, there's a large amount in Scarborough, there's a large amount downtown, um, there's some in New York region, uh, and a, a rare few in, like, the Etobicoke area. So... That's where most of the members are. But if we open up our programming to um, the, the two-spirit community throughout Canada, uh, and we do that when it doesn't necessarily take out resources from us, meaning it doesn't cost us money, so we open it out to things like virtual programming, uh, et cetera. Um, and then we have uh, members from all over Canada as well. And do you, how many hampers are you delivering a week now? Well, it depends because all our hampers, we deliver um, about, 25 to 30 hampers a week um that's hampers that include food but we also do other deliveries as well Uh, in the week we do we deliver things like traditional medicines and hygiene products um when we've had members who who have um who've got covid we send uh, abundance of cleaning supplies and ppe things for their families things like that Uh, we also deliver games and you know things to do at home because we really want encourage people at home um, and the supplies for our programming, including paint sets and books, um, art supplies, traditional craft supplies, things like that, as well as information that we would normally give to people in the office. So mm-hmm. off, things about prep, things about HIV, uh, things about staying connected to all these other resources. Uh, and then we also give resources on COVID uh, and resources on other agencies. Wow. So it's kind of like, um, you're you've bring you're bringing the services and the programming that you provide to people's doors right um yeah go ahead well that's what i mean what what, once we so i started delivering the hampers at first and it took a mostly because uh i wanted to keep my staff safe i thought you know if anyone's going to take the risk it should be me Uh, but also i understood uh, i needed to learn how to keep us safe and so you know it was all trial and error what we could do um, but I also knew that I wanted the community to see my face and say, hey, we know what you're going through. Tell me what else you need. We will respond and we're here. And I think the best way to let people know you're here is to physically see them when you can. Uh, and so also we have modeled social distancing. So, you know, I know my um, my my way to do things is very firm, but also very gentle. So uh, I knew that people would take that kind of, hey, six feet away. Hey, you need to wear a mask. Uh, actually, this was, you knew, much uh, easier than perhaps uh, another staff who they don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it also modeled to the staff how we could build relationships. I knew that I had a lot of relationships, so now let's it's your turn to do this. you know. And so we started um, changing some of the roles for people who were um, building the hampers, but also delivering the hampers, calling people ahead of time, uh, doing all the intake, uh, and, and just kind of adding. Uh, whenever we heard of need, new need, we added to that, including things like dog food and cat food you know yeah. someone who doesn't have a pet i wouldn't have thought of that instantly and so we just kept adjusting to what what was needed and we also took some individual uh needs that included specific health concerns like someone who needed toothbrush and toothpaste so we added that to it uh, other people who needed mouthwash because uh you know they have other issues with their health all of these kind of things we just kept adjusting to what we're delivering to folks so it is far from a one-size-fits-all solution everything is catered to the needs of each individual Every hamper has a, uh, has a name with our tag on it, 
uh, their name with a tag, like our, ta our agency tag with their name on it. Uh, and so the delivery drivers have to be a little more organized. It's not like here's your, here's your, this is for anyone. This is what everyone gets this week. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also personalized. And, uh, and the reason we do that is to show people that this was meant for you. Uh, we did this for you. Uh, we actually write notes in our things. We care about you, we love you, we think of you. Um, we're doing this so you could stay home. We, we put all these very intentional, purposeful things in these hampers so people realize what we're doing and why we're doing it. Wow. I don't know of another agency in our sector that is doing that. Um, and that could be because I'm not doing my homework, uh, which is entirely possible. Um, but this idea of, um, you know, it's so common to create one easily reproducible solution and mass produce it, or it's, it's more common to do that than to do exactly what you're doing, which is based on the needs of each person, create a customized gift and customized. And it, I mean, the reaction must be incredible. People must be really appreciative. The reaction has been amazing in fact it's been so empowering uh, as much as um you know it could be very you know exhausting to kind of keep going every day every day um, to some extent uh it's not necessarily a groundhog day but it's definitely feeling like when is this going to end but it also feels like we got this and we we could keep doing this as long as it takes to keep safe and so as the community keeps responding uh, I remember there was a time where it was very frustrated people when they when we made mistakes, like we're, we're going to send the wrong things, we're going to forget things. Uh, it was really, you know, that similar message in the past when you make error, like, oh, how dare you do this to us? Uh, and now it's so forgiving and so understanding and so appreciative and so supportive and so... Um, and the other team starts problem solving, where, whereas I found that I had to do all the problem solving in the past. So now the team is like, oh well we're doing this so let's let's do fix that mistake through this way and you know or we could deliver that on friday because we're already doing you know other deliveries and, and whatnot um yeah so it's been really nice and we also have our a new a new van that you know we do our harm reduction with uh, on mondays and Tuesdays, thursdays and so we kind of add to that as well uh, and one of my favorite things is I've been going out to the harm reduction with the harm reduction team, kind of being on the streets, but also, you know, keeping, helping model that kind of safety lens as well. I know my team has a hard time sometimes because a lot of people, um, you know, who are street living really don't have that same lens as far as safety. And so we just re reinforce it very kindly to say, hey, this is what we need. We're going to keep doing that. And we were able to do things like handing out socks and mittens and, gloves and you know warm things we serve some warm food sometimes chili tim hortons coffee etc but we also um when we did some uh interviews and some uh research we uh we went out to the street and did it with them we know that their voices aren't heard very often uh, and so we did some kind of intake with them um gave them the same honorarium that we would other people um and you know make sure that you know if you need a tent we have a tent if you need a sleeping bag we have a sleeping bag if you need a tarp you have a tarp we listen to what they needed as well because we know that covid looks very differently for people who are living on the street and people yes. who are using drugs yeah and um so you're not just delivering hampers you're also delivering harm reduction supplies and and serving hot meals to people who are experiencing homelessness correct correct and some of the <laughs> are you sleeping at all what's that are you sleeping at all uh, you know, there's, there was times when I had a hard time sleeping, uh, and then there's, you know, I've been able to 
um, take a break during the holiday. It was really wonderful. I feel rejuvenated and, you know, I feel like I can, uh, I'm good for another year. So. Okay. Um, so what, um, so the harm reduction, what are you, are what are, are there increased needs for harm reduction supplies right now? Um, well, um, we really, so we used to ha have harm reduction at our office and it was, um, very, very, it wasn't funded and there was really no worker. It was kind of just our, you know, heading this through the resources we had. And we had people come to the office and, you know, discreetly grab what they need and kind of left. And so it was more of a pickup place for people who are, who are, uh, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, a little more higher functioning as far as they were able to organize and like get up and go to two spirits and get the harm reduction and leave. Yes. Um, and we knew that. And so the day we closed the door, we, we made a plan where we put the harm reduction supplies outside the door. Um, telling people there's no contact. And so people still came. Uh, and then once we started delivering, uh, we saw our going out on um, putting a tent up in Moss Park with the, with our staff, um, we saw a greater need. And so, you know, the need has been pretty consistent. There's been times where it, you know, slows down depending on weather, et cetera. Um, but even, you know, I was out on Christmas day wow. and it was uh, a little hard to get rid of, uh, get rid of, <laughs> it was a little hard to distribute the food um, because there was a lot of people out that day. But we still knew how it was important to make sure that, you know, our community knows that we're there for them. And if they wanted to come and share a meal with us, they could. Wow. Like, that's why we're here. We're here to make sure that we impact people and make people feel like someone's there for them. And we, we're definitely doing that. You know, my staff is out there consistently. We haven't missed, uh, you know, a Thursday or Monday. People rely on that. Uh, and so we, we know that we have to come out and show up. Um, to make sure that people feel heard. And, you know, we do case management right on the spot. So if someone identifies as Indigenous Two-Spirited, we're like, come and talk to us over here. Here's who our agency is. Let us know when you're ready. We don't assume people are ready just because we're ready. Uh, and so we also uh, don't assume that people are going to take the choices that we give them just because we think they're better. We, yes. we are here to give people choices and access to resources, not to tell them what to do. And I think it's that message that is making people feel very safe with us. Right. Well, it's a consistency that you're showing up and you're, you're showing, you're showing with your actions and not your words, what your intentions are. And I mean, it makes me trust you. Well, that's good. <laughs> I <showed up> today. <laughs> you did show up today. I really appreciate it. Um, so what, just like a little bit of background, what, how did you get into this work? Well, I mean, you know, everyone has a story. And so when I tell people, if you want to work with Indigenous folk, listen to the story. But my story is quite long, so I won't tell you. <laughs> search, you can search, search around. You can find me telling, all, you know, some speech on some platform telling a story. Uh, and so it had a lot to do with my childhood. You know, I, um, I was a, a young person who knew I was different. Um, and, I, and I knew that was a positive thing. And I think... Uh, I built a lot of confidence from looking around for me, knowing, you know, that's not what I want, but I'm going to do something different. And so when I showed up and went and graduated high school, I knew that was my way to leave uh, my home community, which, you know, wasn't doing too well. And was and outside a, of Thunder Bay, Ontario? It was north of Thunder Bay, Ontario, yeah. And so um, I uh, moved to Thunder Bay, uh, and, you know, everyone pushed me to go to university um, because that was the only way, right? And so... I did go and, you know, I ended up getting an early child diploma much later. Um, but I knew that once I got it, that, you know, this organized educational system really wasn't for me. I, I've never been to school since I graduated. And I don't necessarily appreciate um, the way that a lot of people believe that 
organized, education is the only way to learn. And so I knew that I could learn by listening. I knew that I could learn by um, doing and learn. I knew that I could learn by sharing who I am and telling my story and reinforcing all of these things. And so I got into this work because as a young child, I was, you know, I didn't have a great experience and I wanted to stop uh, and support other children, never want a child to feel the way I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I started working in early childhood education, it really was my passion. And I worked with children for many, many years, almost 20 years. Um, but my, the agency that I was working with kind of expanded my portfolio. They just kept adding, here's youth department and here's- You can seniors. obviously do this, here's, so now do this too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could do it, you could do it, you could do it. And, uh, and I could, and I really embraced that. So I started lo- liking the work that I did working with families. Um, and I also, you know, have a different early childhood philosophy where I believe a child has to fit in our life, not the other way around. And I think that comes from my understanding of, you know, really what early childhood education is. And so, um, when you say a child fit into your life, what do you mean by that? Well, a lot of times people, um, you know, when a child is born, they want to figure out like, how can they fit around this child's life as they grow up and become a a young child. Whereas my philosophy is you are already here. They're the visitors. So they need to fit in your life. And so I think that's kind of the way that I think of things, but also knowing the way, um, people believe you know, there's this kind of family, you know, what family means and to redefine that because as soon as I got older, I knew that a lot of young um, indigenous gay, gay, queer folk, um, you know, were, were not welcome in their own community, in their own homes. Um, it wasn't necessarily my experience, but I knew it was a lot of experience around me that, that had a lot to do with, um, you know, the introduction of kind of European Western ideals of what what, what gay is, is, you know, that doesn't belong and this homophobia and stigma, etc. And so as I started working with young people in my role and adults uh, and got to see things, I started, you know, working in housing and I started working with human trafficking and I started working in youth justice and I started, so my portfolio just kept growing and growing. I thought, great. And, and you know, I got to learn all these things. I got to learn finance. I got to learn HR. Well, I know what I'm ready for. Uh, and I wanted a role that was more impactful. And so I did, uh, I left the agency and, and kind of ended up here at Two Spirits. And, and to me, it was something that, you know, this is exciting. You know, Two Spirits was an, an agency that was already established and they had a, you know, they had a great reputation. They were, they, they were struggling when I arrived and I knew that we could do something better and do something um, that's going to impact the community in a more meaningful way. Think about, we know that, uh, you know, Indigenous people score so poorly in the social terms of health, but we also know so do 2SLGPD community, and so yes. do people who use drugs, and so yes. do people. And so when you add this group of people who check all these boxes, um, who needs you the most, you know? Uh, yeah. People living with HIV, people, you know, um, all of these folks that come in our room really need us and really need our support. Um, they don't need our help. They need us to walk beside them. And I know that that's what I did best. You know, I never feel like I'm here to help someone. I feel like I'm here to walk beside them. Um, you know, I see them in my circle. They are, they are as valuable as I am. And I think the, the role that I have is to make sure that I support people to see their own value. Is this how communities are built? Is this, is this the secret to, to engaging and keeping people safe and improving their health? 
Well, one of the things that I like to do is be a model. And so I don't like to do anything that I would, I don't want to tell people what you should do if I'm not doing it. And so uh, one of the things I created was to make sure that I'm accessible to people. I know that leadership, even in my previous role where I was, you know, considered upper management, I still didn't have access to the leadership the way that I wanted. Can you imagine how people feel who, you know, in this hierarchy are at the bottom? Uh, And so I wanted to make sure I'm accessible. So any member could message me right now. Um, And then I make the choice of when I respond or or when I don't respond. Um, And that gave a lot of people a lot of faith and that that I'll be listening, that I that they're heard, but it also lets them be heard. You know, what do you need? What is the problem? How can I solve this? Uh, and I think it takes it's a lot of responsibility. And I could see how you know to some people that would be a lot of boundary kind of um, mm-hmm. blurring. But to me, it's very clear because I know what my role is as a human being, but I also know what my role is as an executive director, and those overlap. But sometimes one takes precedent over the other. And that's kind of how I find balance in myself. You know, being a human being is what drives me every day. And so who am I to say someone messages me at Sunday at 3 p.m. That's my time. Well, my time is being a human being. So it makes sense to me, the kind of logic that I have. Um, But it's, uh, it's something that I look forward to is kind of modeling like new ways to do things. I consider myself very innovative. Uh, I recently had an ED town hall where I said, I want to be accountable and transparent. Come and tell me how I'm doing. Like mm-hmm. me, not the agency. Um, tell me what you want and tell me how I should do it differently. Ask me any questions. Tell me what you want to know. Uh, and, you know, I, at first I thought I was a little disappointed. I didn't get kind of what I wanted. Uh, I didn't really get a lot of constructive feedback. I didn't get any constructive criticism. It was a lot of praise and a lot of thank you. And here's a couple of new ideas, which we already kind of heard before and were planning to kind of um, follow through with. But it helped reinforce that we were doing what we we're supposed to do. It also helped reinforce that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And it, I think it gave people a lot more um, appreciation for my leadership and, you know, understanding that um, I'm going to be there and I'm going to accountable and I'm going to be transparent and I I do have an answer but I don't always have to tell you what the answer is but if you really want to know I will yeah Um, and I have no problem saying no when it's time to say no and I have no problem saying yes and let me figure it out for you or I have no problem saying please give me some time and that's really kind of where we're at far as making sure that we meet the needs of the community we came we knew that people needed access to internet and phone our reality is our community didn't have phones in there. We gave over 400 uh, tablets and phones since we've wow. been out here. That's amazing. We support, we support some of our members with phone support, paying part of their phone bill and part of their internet bill. We, but we also do for our staff. We know our staff have the, the same responsibilities. Yeah. One thing I remind people is you hire Indigenous people. You have Indigenous issues. And so I hire Indigenous people. We know that they have the same reality as our brothers and sisters. So... Why, why do we treat them differently? I made sure that all the staff have access to a laptop or a tablet. Um, we make sure that they have a desk and a chair if they need it. You know, yeah. like we know that this is not everyone has the same reality. Why would we treat people differently? Um, and it also made a lot of the team really kind of feel supported. We have a team meeting every single day. If you're working, you show up. Tell us how you're doing. And the one thing message I said to my team was, if you are struggling, if you're having a hard day, if COVID is bringing you down, tell us and take the day. 
And so far, three people have done it one time each. Wow. There's a lot about, you know, well, let's take care of each other first. And so that's why we have a team meeting. It's taking care of each other first. Yeah. But it's also saying, well, who are we forgetting? We actually do a call out. When is the last time we saw Ryan? When's the last time we heard from Ryan? Reach out to him. So this reaching out has really been making people feel connected as well. Uh, we also do a monthly mail outs where we mail out information to members about 100, 100 members uh, a, a month, uh, a newsletter. And in the newsletter, we're like, what do you want to talk about in the newsletter? Let's highlight some of the members and their story. And so we're sharing their stories. We're sharing their kind of ideals of what they want to do. It's amazing to me to hear you say this because it's uh, it's just so kind. I mean, you just you just have such a large heart. I mean, I know you're a tall man, but I don't. I feel like your heart is still disproportionately large. Um, and I I do tease you a little bit about the boundaries because I feel like you are often, you know, you're often saying yes to things like even this interview. <laughs> you're often saying yes to things you know that benefit others. Do you have people that check in on you? Do you have, like, how do you support yourself through all of this? Well, I think, you know, I come off to some people as this person who doesn't need anyone at times. Um, but I'm really good at saying, oh, yeah, no, I don't. I need you, you know. And so I have people in my life who are there for me, uh, who are there to support me. Uh, I have no problem feeling vulnerable when I do. But I'm pretty good at problem solving. So a lot of the times I know tomorrow it will be a new day. And so most of the time when there's an issue, it lasts until nighttime. You know, <laughs> that's it. That's how it works for me. Yeah. And I feel very fortunate. And I think um, it's something that I discovered, you know, w- within myself of how to, uh, I, I consider it like rejuvenate. You know, I feel very much um, every day that I could start over. And so, you know, made a mistake yesterday, start over, you know, and. Wow. Something that we could all, uh, I could definitely apply to my own thinking, the way that I go down rabbit holes of regret and all this. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I'm going to call you when I need you. How's that? I'll just lean. I'll be another person to lean on you looking for support. <laughs> I, I I only do what I, what I can. I, I'm pretty good at saying to, yeah, I've had enough, but it doesn't usually happen very often, you know? And so when I can, I know how to. Um, the the kind of funny part of the story is when I, as I ran for um, the MP for Scarborough Southwest for ND, for the NDP, a lot of people don't really understand what that means because a lot of people thought I won. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> think I'm the MP. A lot of people reach out to me because of that job, and so I get messages like, "Please help me," and but like, "This is my great. Can you? I need a job, and I have you know these immigration issues." And so I just make sure I have some resources for people. I, I don't think there's nothing wrong as a human being to support people with more information. And so sure. I just keep informed. And uh, it's not me, but here's this. Uh, even my own community, if it if I can't, I'll be like, oh, here's 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 something that you could do and whatever. But I also have a great network of people. I just have to ask, hey, does anyone know this? Bam, there you go. I think it's about you know sharing kind of kindness and you know get it back. I, I once was told by someone that, you know, I'm a universe baby and I believe I am. I'm like, uh, the universe will take care of me. Mm-hmm. I have confidence that it will. Yeah. I, and not because it's delusion or not because this is because I have given so much kindness that I have no doubt in my mind that it will come back when I need it. And so that's kind of where I'm at with this, you know, I'm going to just keep going. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm still fairly young. I have lots of energy still. 
Yeah. The the other joke I make is that I'm kind, but I'm not nice. So <laughs> two very different things. <laughs> do you think there's going to be a post-COVID reality? Do you think the hamp like Do you think that these hampers are going to continue indefinitely? Do you think people are going to need the support that you're providing indefinitely? Like. It sounds to me like you changed the nature of support, but that support was always a core value. Well, what we knew that uh, was that the food hampers were always needed because our community members, we did program and they came for the food. Yes. Uh, and as, as agencies, if we're, if we're trying to pretend that they came for the wonderful information, we're fooling ourselves. Yeah. Um, people did their rounds. They went to other agencies. Who's, who's, who's serving supper? Who's so we yes. knew that they already supplemented. So this food help that we call it, food support, isn't something new it's yeah. not because of COVID it's because it's not because of COVID it's a response to COVID yes. they're not able to come to our building to get the meals and uh, other agencies etc and so is it sustainable well I don't know that it'll be necessary once we're back to programming well we're going to have our wonderful meals again you know and come and share with us uh, in a circle and celebrate ceremony. And that's kind of who we were before. Uh, I know it's necessary. I know uh, a lot of people are talking about, oh, we could all work from home forever. It's it's not meant for our community. We need to see each other. We need to hug. We need to share. We need to celebrate. We need to have ceremonies together. And so we can't wait to get back. There are some parts of our roles that could be done at home, but very little part of our role can be done at home effectively. Uh, we're just trying to make it work. Uh, but I know that our community members need us yeah. in person. Oh, it makes me want to hug you right now. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> that was me hugging you. <laughs> um, I, I'm so grateful that you're out doing the work that you're doing. And I'm grateful that you're part of the same HIV community where I work, but also I consider you a friend and I'm very grateful for that. Is there anything that, um, you know, the listeners or viewers at home can do when they, you know, that in terms of when they see someone and they're interacting with someone who's living on the street, or is there, is there any kind of like blanket considerations that we should offer the Two-Spirit Indigenous community or, you know, people who are experiencing homelessness or anything that you want to kind of throw out there? Well, I think I talked about it. I think I modeled it. I think, you know, the one thing I tell people is we're not here to make choices for people. So when someone tells me, why are you giving them $5 to someone on the street? They're just going to use it for drugs. I'm like, well, first of all, you don't know that. Second of all, they deserve to have options and choices. So if they use that to do, to buy more drugs, at least they have a choice. You know, yeah. I, I think this feeling helpless and hopeless is the thing that really is what I'm doing is giving people options. And, uh, but also seeing people as a human being, you know, I, I look at people and I think they were a child before. And so when you look at someone, see the child inside them, it's much easier to tolerate this kind of frustration or anger or negative experience that people might bring off. Um, but also the judgment of like what choices they made, you know, I, I think sometimes people have to put aside, you know, their privilege and then, you know, they really think that um, everything that happened to them was because of their choices. Well, it's because of your options, uh, you know, versus the choices you made, you know, when you have more options, it's much easier to pick all the best things right. when all your choices are shitty you're gonna pick something shitty you know and so i think that's the reality where you have to try to stop thinking it's about you it has nothing to do with you it has everything to do with them uh, and their experience and so the more people you meet and the more stories you hear 
you might become a little more grounded far as you know what you're here for what's your journey you know i could say this to any person because i live my journey you know and so not many people can and that's where that comes from as well i'm not a hypocrite i'm not i'm not someone saying oh you should do this and you should do that i'm doing it so yeah, yeah. I, I know the how we're impacting people wow so I know how you're impacting people too, and it is amazing. So I thank you so, so, so much for continuing to do this work, for taking the time to chat with me today, and um, you know, enjoy the enjoy the rest of your day of rest this uh, lovely Sunday, and um, and I hope to catch up with you soon. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Thank you very much, Key. See you later. Bye.